Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black in Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black, and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Let's talk stock markets today. Let's talk investing. Let's talk economy. We got it all for you for sure. Um, anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, I kind of pride myself on that, but again, we'll see how it actually ultimately goes. Um you can drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com, rob at robblackshow.com. I think that's always a good way to get in touch. Um, but on top of that, uh, you can call the show 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. So markets have kind of hit this, I want to say downturn, but it's so tough to say downturn because... What are we, 1% to 2% off our all-time highs? But we definitely have this feeling of uh, speculation starting to abate a bit. Speculation meaning that companies like Alibaba, when they come public, shoot to 99. And then in the following days, there's not a lot going on, and you see it slip all the way to 88. That's a pretty big move. So it's a little discombobulating. It's a little bit of a pullback. It's a little bit of a funk. It's a little bit of profit-taking. Weak finishes. It's amazing how quickly the market can go from feeling sky-high to feeling, eh, meh. And, you know, that's when sentiment instead of earnings drives the markets. Worries about China's growth rate have come and gone, and now they're back again. Worries about valuations have come and gone, and again, they're back again. Worries about geopolitical dealings have come and gone, and yes, they are back again like Freddy Krueger. He just never seems to go away. It's coincidental. You know, just a few days after the SP500 hits a record intraday high, left it up 6% from its intraday low. 6% in basically six weeks, ultimately. It's a big move. The week after quarterly options expiration, 
and September is often a very weak period. The market's coming off an emotionally draining week that culminated in the largest IPO in the history of Wall Street. Fund managers are probably feeling a little feeling inclined, if not obligated, to take some profits to protect nice-looking performance records going into the quarter end. Market's in that kind of twilight zone area right now where we're at the end of the quarter, but the start of actual earnings season is about two weeks away. Stock market was, you know, kind of right for a pullback, and we kind of got one in the last three days, but today we're a little bit higher. Just about everything is down so far for the week, especially the Russell 2000. Um, Russell 2000 represents small cap companies. Again, there's three representations, small cap, mid cap, large cap. Small cap, very domestically based. Large cap, very, you know, 30, 40, 50% of revenues come from overseas markets. Germany reported some weak survey data on business conditions. That's not good. Germany is one of those economies that we kind of want working. Goldman Sachs cut its GDP growth forecast for China, and the U.S., of course, is still tangling with ISIS. Uh, participants aren't seeing a lot of reason to fear, you know, policy-tightening reaper that is Janet Yellen. Um, it's just kind of, I don't want to say it's sloppy out there. It's just not feeling great. Is that fair? Um, Ron Johnson. The former head of Apple Retail and failed JCPenney CEO is launching his own delivery startup. It will be an on-demand delivery services for gadgets, but with a Genius Bar-like component. That's kind of interesting. Um, Information is describing the startup as an on-demand delivery service for gadgets. Uh, Johnson's company will be more concerned with customer service and product troubleshooting. Startup also seems to be centered around smartphones. This company has been talking to smartphone manufacturers, carriers like AT&T. I don't know. Do we do we need everything delivered at this point in time? Apple's retail stores are now under the direction of Angela Ehrhurst, who joined Apple last year after becoming CEO at Burberry. So on-demand delivery industry. Space has grown increasingly crowded. Uber has become synonymous with point-to-point anything. Google and Amazon are reportedly working on enhanced delivery services. So Ron Johnson made a lot of money working for uh, Apple, and now he's going to be spending it on setting up a development company, which begs the question is, can we ever get a second chance? A friend of mine, uh, her husband worked at Yahoo back in the glory days of Yahoo, and since then he's been kind of trying to run a development startup kind of company that's not pay it out, and maybe he has to go back to work, maybe he doesn't have to go back to work, but the idea is that maybe he does have to go back to work. Uh, long story short, is there a long story short at this point in time? Uh, can you ever go back? And is 10 years too long to jump back into the game? Speaking of trying to get back into the game, BlackBerry has launched a new ugly phone called the Passport. It's Square. Um, if I had the Grim Reaper Death March kind of song, I'd be playing it right now for BlackBerry. Leaguered phone maker is looking to make a comeback. How did he do that so fast? Hats off to my uh, board op. Passport features a four and a half inch square screen and unique touch sensitive tactile keyboard. I guess some people still like the keyboard, right? 
Uh, Compound is very much so fighting for survival. They still need to turn around and develop a viable ongoing business model, and they don't have it at this point in time. So why did they choose a square to make a, a phone a square? Um, they say it's because we've been living in a rectangular world. Oh, that's all I got to say about that one. Oh, it's just, it's looking wrong, right? Take a look at some of the top uh, trends of the day. We have, you know, the dollar continues to remain strong. Home builders have been pressured following some disappointing results by KB Homes. The housing market, to me, feels like it's ripe for another move. Maybe not up uh, when interest rates move higher, but then again, if interest rates move higher because of job creation, then maybe first-time homes could have a play. Strength today in consumer discretionary, consumer staples, financials, healthcare, weakness in energy, industrials, technology, and utilities. Again, new home sales in August hit an annualized rate of 504,000, which was up from a revised rate of 427,000, better than the rate of 435,000, which was expected. Biotech stocks are doing well. Biotechnology has factored into the advance uh, ticker symbol on a biotech index, IBB. IBB, it's one of those indices that you do pay attention to. Again, with KB Homes coming out with poor numbers, it's kind of affected the whole sector group, KB Homes, DR Horton, and Pulte Group. You can drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. It's rob at robblackshow.com. Talking, focusing on wealth, talking on, focusing on wealth creation. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Sales of new U.S. homes surged in August to a six-year high. Purchases of new homes jumped 18%. The one-month increase is the biggest since January 1992. Housing market is improving in fits and starts this year amid slow wage growth and tight credit conditions. Sustained improvement in the job market will be needed to push up pay and sustain a stronger recovery. Um, my very small local insight into that is that some areas are a little more stretched than others, so be careful. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton, Mr. Burton. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. You can hear his show Monday through Fridays here on KDOW. 
from 1 to 2 p.m., New Focus on Wealth. Mr. Burke, let's talk about Roth conversions. What is a Roth conversion, and why should I care? Uh, Roth conversion is when you say, okay, I've got an IRA or 401k, and I want to pay the taxes now and put it into a Roth IRA so it grows tax-free for the rest of my life. And it's an account that you can access as long as it's been five years and you're over age 59 and a half, you can access it tax-free, all of the growth, contributions, everything for the rest of your life. Now, who would want to do a Roth? Who would want to pay taxes now? Well, people that are that are in lower than average tax bracket. So it's a lot easier to, to have this conversation when you're in states like Washington where there's no state income tax. Okay. But in California, you have to deal with state income tax and federal tax. So if you have an account, you have an IRA, you're like, hey, you know what? I'm at, I'm going to be at a low tax bracket. Like I've had, one time I had an engineer from Intel take a 18-month sabbatical. They just needed some time off. They're taking a sabbatical. It's something they allowed him to do. So very low tax bracket because he was living off cash while he was off vacationing and doing some things he wanted to do. And so we were able to convert a large amount of his IRA over a couple of years at a very low bracket, a lower bracket than he'll ever be. Um and pay the taxes now. But the key is, is he had cash outside of the accounts to pay okay. the taxes. That's the other reason why this is the only time it makes sense is when you have cash outside of the account to pay the taxes. So you have to have cash on hand and be at a lower bracket. And where this comes in as well is that high-income workers, they, they end up, if they have diversified assets, in other words, they have cash, they have brokerage accounts, and they have pre-tax accounts and 401ks, between the ages of 65 and 70 and a half, you can enjoy a very low tax bracket. But by 70 and a half, you're forced to pull money out of your IRAs and 401ks, even if you don't want to, and your tax bracket starts to go up. So there's a sweet spot at retirement where for that five-year period, if you do your calculations right, you can convert. You say, okay, I'm always going to be at a 25% bracket at once I hit 70 and a half, so I might as well convert enough of my IRA each year to max out that existing marginal bracket so boom, by age 70 and a half, not only do my required minimum distributions go way down because I've converted large chunks of my IRA, but now I have this big tax-free account that I can draw on for the rest of my life. And another benefit of a Roth is that you can, you don't have to draw on it at any point in time. or right. So you, can, you, don't, you can't keep funding it, Right. but you don't have to draw on it. So yep. There's no IRA funding after age 70 and a half. It's not allowed. But let's say your grandma, right? Yeah. And you're realizing you're looking at your grandkids and you're sitting there with your pension from IBM, Lockheed Martin, something like that. And you're looking at your grandkids and saying, you know, they're going to have issues getting health care. They're going to have no pensions. Social Security is probably not going to be around for them. I want to leave them some sort of a legacy. Well, if grandma's got, you know, this great big IRA that she just doesn't even need, she's just taking her minimum required distributions and doesn't even want that because she's saved enough or has a pension, she could convert that large IRA to a Roth IRA. Really? And when she does that, she doesn't have to take required minimum distributions anymore. She could leave child, grandchild as the beneficiary, and when she passes, that child can roll that IRA account, that Roth IRA, into an inherited Roth IRA and have a tax-free account for the rest of their lives. It's one of the best assets you could leave somebody as a Roth IRA. Nice. And so the, the, that grandchild would just take a little bit out each year based on their life expectancy. They could take out more if they wanted to. And, you know, it's a great – you can call it grandma's pension to the grandchild. So. <laughs> grandma's pension to the grandchild. Yep, that's right. That's kind of interesting. It's, it's 
not going to be marketed by Fidelity that way, I get the feeling. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. You know, that's, we, we're running out of time. But that's something that I want people to realize, that like 529 plans, they're, they're accounts that are marketed. Um, it's something to think about. It's like, just think about money a little bit differently. Always question, do you really need this, or did I just see a commercial for this? That's for Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. Um, one of the big stories of the day, which I kind of find interesting, um, is Walmart. Walmart is getting ready to become a bank. Um, Walmart prepares to offer checking accounts. Is this a good idea? Is this a bad idea? Or the place that you shop at is also the place you bank at. After years of thwarted efforts to break into banking, Walmart's making its biggest foray yet in the everyday financial services. Uh, Walmart, the biggest retailer, is teaming up with Green Dot, known for its prepaid debit cards, to supply checking accounts to almost anyone over 18 who passes an ID check. Uh, the accounts would be available nationwide by the end of October. So this is coming. This is very much so real. Uh, the accounts are intended to be low-cost alternatives to traditional bank checking accounts with no fees for overdrafts or bounce checks and no minimum account balance. Uh, in comparison, a basic checking account at Citibank charges $12 if a check is returned, $34 for overdrafts. Uh, the new accounts from Green Dot called GoBank will cost $8.95 a month if they have direct deposits totaling less than $500. Um, most people on Social Security would, or fixed pensions would qualify. Um, consumer advocates obviously have something to say about this. They think that many people without checking accounts are forced into the financial, you know, netherlands, so to speak, where they have little choice but to turn to costly alternatives for basic transactions. Fees for these services can quickly add up, making saving even more difficult. Interesting to note. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. There's an interesting story out there on the teardown shows that Apple's iPhone 6 costs at least $200 to build. Um, so Apple probably spends between $200 to $247 in parts and labor to build an iPhone 6. For the larger iPhone 6 Plus, the costs begin at $216 and can go as high as $263. Estimates by uh, firms, this is positive ultimately for Apple as it shows that the profitability is very, very high. The margins are very, very high on the iPhone 6. We'll take a break here. You can find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Let's dance in this universe So make angels in the snow have a little while And we're knowing for us for everything you do Be careful, don't be like to
I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to this show. I do appreciate it enormously. I know that you have a lot of choices out there. Hopefully this is the one that helps get you to retirement, has uh, more weight than anything else in your life per se, but who's to say, right? Um, how to ask for a prenup without causing a breakup. I think prenups are very important. I think they are kind of vilified in media, unfortunately. Um, A prenup, if one spouse is bringing into the marriage a significant asset, whether it be a company that they've created or a frying pan that their mother gave them or a 401k that's huge, It's important to talk about, to discuss prenup. You have to talk ultimately about divorce, and no one likes to do that. You know, we have got a cultural sensitivity, per se, around prenups. It's got the reluctance to face an unhappy ending. The belief in the concept of happily ever after offers one of the few soft spots remaining in our society and carries with it much pleasure. But the reality is that doesn't always happen. That said, most couples planning to get married should have a prenup, particularly those bringing assets into the marriage. It's like insurance. Of course, you don't intend to have an emergency. Life insurance. You don't intend to die, but it's responsible move nonetheless. Even if you don't have assets to divide between the two of you, honest communication about your finances, your plans, your values never really hurts. It's a very adult thing to do. How do you do this? Um, where do you start? You know, a discussion about your relationship's potential demise could be hard. Honey, I want a prenup. Over a dinner, on a date, seems like a real conversation stopper, romance killer. Um, I would have a conversation instead of issuing demands. I think that's very, very important when you just want to discuss this. Even a post-nup is important. So, um, saying things like, let's talk about getting a prenup is very different than saying, we're getting a prenup. You don't want to react or formulate any sort of you know, response until your partner's finished talking. When you do respond, you want to give the impression that you're trying to understand his or her position. You want to be patient. You don't want any alcohol involved. You want to be upfront with your reasons and your fears. This is a great time for I statements. Um, You know, statements like, I don't want to feel exploited financially. I'm worried that I will be financially disadvantaged. This marriage does not last. It's important for me to keep my financial independence are all great phrases. If you have any financial future together, now is a great time to start surfacing thoughts on that, in my opinion. When people feel safe, they listen to almost anything, especially if they trust your motives. If your partner believes you're trying to push them into something for your own exclusive benefit or into a settlement that they don't feel comfortable with, your partner will quickly tune you out. You want to do a prenup months and months and months before the marriage, and not days. Not everyone's going to take this conversation in stride. If you can remain calm and hopefully allow your partner to remain calm, it's much smoother. 
it's impossible to reason with someone who's angry. If things do get heated, try and understand, you know, why it's going down that path and, you know, stop yourself. Um, if it's devolving into a fight, you might want to take a breather and try again later. Um, but one of the things that I did was, you know, start talking about your parents. Like, having financial conversations with someone is really, really important because I don't want to take care of your parents. Um, I don't want you to take care of my parents. I mean, it could be that kind of simple of a starter, you know. How are your parents financially? Were your parents spenders or savers? Uh, what did you see your dad do right? What did you see your dad do wrong? Very important questions. Um, and again, very mature questions. So, the recovery is something that we keep talking about. And our economy, the unemployment rate has declined to 6.1% from 10%. number of Americans enduring long-term unemployment has fallen to 3 million from 4.3 million. Average Americans remain gloomy about the current economy and anxious about its future. More than five years after the official end of the recession, the Public Religion Research Institute finds only 21% of Americans believe the recession has ended. That's a crazy statistic. You know, this year's report has found that median household income is $51,939, 8% lower than it was in 2007. Households in the middle of the income distribution earned about $4,500 less last year than they did six years ago. So more Americans are falling behind the cost of living, and that's unfortunate. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. You can always email me, rob at robblackshow.com. It's rob at robblackshow.com. If you want to submit your portfolio for a review, I know CFP Chad Burton. You can do that at his website, newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Um, lots going on in this economy. Lots going on in the stock market. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. It's an interesting switch in the stock market right now with a stronger dollar being one of the stories. Higher interest rates next year will be another one of the stories that drives the market. Take a break here. Be right back sooner than later. You can find me online at robblack.com. Black talking all things financial, money invested, and more. It's pretty widely known that the Apple Watch is due in the first part of 2015, but rumors already started to speculate that it's going to be uh, 
uh, the late part of the first part that's not going to come anytime before Valentine's Day. Um, sales of the new homes surged in the month of August to a six-year high. New home sales in the U.S. surged. Purchase of new homes jumped 18%. Um, home sales trending is improvement, for sure. It's a small sample, but uh, it's still nonetheless positive. Blackberry's released a square phone, boo, called the Passport. I don't know. Maybe I'm just uh, jumping on the bandwagon there, but I don't get it. Anyhow, I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton, NewFocusFinancial.com. That's NewFocusFinancial.com. Tackling some of the bigger financial planning concepts, let's talk a little bit on the 401k to an IRA. Main reasons why you would roll over your 401k. I guess that's when you're leaving a company because we're rolling it over. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You've left the company or you've retired. Let me let me get a couple of reasons out of the way on why you wouldn't do it. Okay. Because we can't just ignore those. There are certain times where you know you go to somebody that's trying to sell you something, they'll always tell you to roll it over. But look, if you retired early and you're over 55, a lot of 401k plans allow you to take withdrawals before age 59 and a half, between age 55. So as long as you've separated from service and you're over at the age of 55 or over you can take withdrawals from the plan without paying the 10% penalty. So early retirees may need to do some planning and leave some of the money in the 401k to access it penalty-free. Um, the other situation is if you're facing a legal issue, major lawsuit or something like that, you might be better served in the 401k. Other than that, a lot of people say, I'm just going to leave my 401k there because either I don't have time to deal with it or the investments are performing fine. Well, in a rising market where the S&P 500 is up double digits, everything's performing fine, right? Right. And you can always find those funds or even a cheaper version of those funds at a brokerage firm. You can open up an IRA at TD Ameritrade or Schwab and get those same funds there. Don't you bring in some potential risk of uh, now you've lost that professional guidance or now you've lost that professional structure and you have to recreate your own structure? Well, if you've – no, because typically nobody's moving the money for you. You still have to pick your own choices within those funds. And a lot of smaller employer plans have hidden fees that the employee doesn't see. They're supposed to disclose that now, but nobody reads it. So you might have what looks like a well-known no-load fund, but it's inside of an annuity contract with an extra 1% in annual fees. So get it. And it's so hard. When people end up with three or four different 401k plans and IRAs all over the place, they don't know what their overall asset allocation or performance is because it's everywhere. Consolidate it all into an IRA. You end up with better investment choices, lower fees. You can have the ability to convert to a Roth IRA if that's right in your financial plan where you pay the taxes now in exchange for a tax-free account for the rest of your life. Also, IRAs do have that kind of better emergency access, Rob. If if you know people are laid off, for example, sure. Um, if you're using the funds, there's certain rules that apply, so you got to look this up and deal with a tax advisor. But if you need to pull money out without for, to pay for things like health insurance costs or higher education costs, there's ways to do it without paying the 10% early withdrawal penalty on IRAs where there's not with the 401k plans. Uh, I've also seen people that retire, and they have their 401ks, a couple different 401ks left at the places they used to work for. And... I've seen those companies, they go through a takeover, a merger, or the plan is suspended because something's gone wrong in the plan, and all of a sudden, you know, they're taking withdrawals out of the IR, the 401k, 
and they're having to call to do it. Yep. And all of a sudden they go through a 90-day blackout period where they can't do anything. And then what do you do? So easier access to retirement. A big one, too, for older people where they really need to get out of the 401k and into an IRA is that at age 70 and a half, you're forced to take money out of your retirement accounts, whether or not you want to. Now, if you had 20 different IRAs, you could calculate your annual required minimum distribution for all of them and take it out of just one account. If you have money in 401ks and 403bs, you have to satisfy each different account. And a lot of people have been getting a 50% penalty because they calculate their 401k into their IRA, calculate their minimum required distribution for their 401ks and IRAs together and just pull it out of the IRA. Yeah. That's not satisfied. You just shot yourself in the foot and you have a 50% penalty on what you're supposed to take out of the 401k. So get them rolled over. So there's a lot of reasons to consider rolling over a 401k to an IRA. We just went through many of them. Um, better investment choices, lower fees, ability to slowly convert to a Roth, a little emergency access in case you need it without that 10% penalty, and easier access at retirement. If you want to find out more about Chad Burton, you can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. I'm Rob Black. You can find me on YouTube, Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show. Again, it's Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Hulu is getting a new series via J.J. Abrams and Stephen King. Uh, the streaming service announced today that it's given a direct-to-series order. Nine-part series called 112263 is about an English teacher who travels back in time to prevent the assassination of President Kennedy. Uh, the series is based on one of Stephen King's, um, was it novels? Yeah, a novel of the same name. It's being produced by J.J. Abrams, who's producing Star Wars. Don't mess it up, J.J. You only got the whole Star Wars franchise leaning on you. Um, what's nice to know about this is, again, you know, uh, I like the services of Hulu and Netflix as an alternative to cable, high-priced cable. If you're able to give up watching sports live, uh, I think you'll be A-OK with, uh, you know, some of these alternative services, which cost a lot less. Ford, their best-selling vehicle, the F-Series pickup, gets star billing at the car maker's website. According to some of the data that's been coming out, it's the best-selling truck in America for 37 years. Ford's offering discounts on the pickup, which presumably hurts the company's profits. Um, Ford's current offer for the base F-150 is 0% financing for 60 months, plus a bonus of $1,500 for the trade-in of a limited number of vehicles. That five-year 0% interest could end up hurting Ford if interest rates jack up in the next couple of years. The answer to the questions of why Ford has moved to discount the F-Series may do, be due to pressure from GM Chevy Silverado and Chrysler's Dodge Ram. Sales of the F-Series fell 4.2% in August, and they're down four-tenths of a percent for the first eight months of the year. Silverados are up modestly by 12.8%. Uh, so Ram has not threatened Ford for the top spot in pickup sales, yet it has taken a great deal of market share in 2014. All very interesting to note as Ford is dealing with this controversy. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. You can find me online at robblack.com. You can find me at Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. It's rob at robblackshow.com. Take a break here. We'll be right back. I tell my story in reverse cause it hurts 
Girl, it hurts too much to bear, but I'm tantalized by their legs and long hair. But if I could do it again, I would do it again. If I could do it again, I would do it again. If I could. I know what you're trying to say, baby. You're trying to say, oh yeah, it's business time. Welcome back in, Rob Black and your money. As always, when we hear this theme music, we bring in Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist at Briefing.com. How are you, Dr. Jeff? Pretty good. How about yourself? Doing well. Doing well. Um, a lot of business news or a lot of uh, economic news today or, or not so much? Not so much. It's been a quiet beginning of the week, and we had some home sales data come out. Uh, existing came out on Monday, which were a little bit light. And new home sales came out today, which were fantastic. The question is, which is the real uh, trends? Are we seeing weakening demand for homes, or are we seeing strengthening demand for homes? And I, I am leaning more towards uh, the home market is not in that great footing, and uh, things will likely get worse in the coming months. With that said, are you predicting the higher interest rates make it worse? Is it the affordability? Is it the uh, you know the low interest rates for such a long period of time that you know if we wanted it, we got it, so to speak? Where, where are you looking at? It's kind of all of the above. The, the way I see it is that affordability conditions have notably weakened. And we know that interest rates have gone up and mortgage rates have gone up uh, since the lows, which make things more difficult. Income growth is pretty weak, so we're not seeing the uh, first-time home buyer being able to come in based on income growth. You have people that are still underwater or close to being underwater that don't have enough money to have a bigger down payment, so to speak, to step up to a larger house because there's no uh, you know, gains on, on their current home. So that's limiting supply. So uh, when you add everything together, there's just not enough room for, for continued gains. And uh, this month, we noticed a big drop off in investor demand, which is normal considering the um, the investors that were going for distressed properties looking for deals, that they don't longer exist because the uh, the amount of foreclosures has, has softened. So, you know, we're left with just a bad... You know, or unstable uh, footing for future gains, and I don't see much growth in the, in the near future because of that. So where does that leave the U.S. economy if the housing market stalls a bit? Well, it depends. If it's just the existing homes, it's not going to be too detrimental to economic growth. And economic growth, I mean GDP growth. Just because uh, the existing home sales data doesn't really flow into GDP calculations very much. The only thing that it gets accounted for is the uh, realtor fees. Uh, if we look at the new home sales, we had a great uh, number. You had a very low supply. You had an NAHB number that came out last week that was at uh, like nine-year highs. 
signaling that builders should continue construction amid this kind of weakening uh, overall sector. And if that's true, that could lead to economic growth because that's residential investment and that, that spurs job gains in the construction industry and all the subsidiaries that fit into it with the construction industry, and, and that's good. And we haven't really had a uh, construction rebound to pull up economic growth that we normally would get uh, after a recession. So, you know, it depends on what area you're looking at. If the gains in the new home sector are real, you know, that, that's good for economic gains. Speaking of economic gains, uh, retail sales have been kind of sloppy. I can't really put a f- finger on the pulse, per se. Uh, it seems like the middle class is struggling, the lower class is struggling, but the numbers that are coming in in retail sales seem to be uh, sloppy at best. Uh, I would agree with that. And outside the auto industry, you know, the, the actual retail sales data has been, you know, Ugly. Uh, yeah, I've been using ugly a lot. It's pulled down uh, economic growth in the um, compared to the, the second quarter in my estimate for the third quarter. Uh, one thing going for it is that the real number has been much better than expected, just because uh, inflation levels have declined in the last month. But you know, overall, we've had weak income growth. We had that you know not so great jobs report that came out in the beginning of the month. Uh, we're still seeing increases in savings uh, in the general trend, which means that you know even though we're having small income growth, a lot of that is being offset by increased savings and not transferring to consumption gains. So we have the ability to lower our, our savings rate according to our debt ratios, but we choose not to, and it's uh, limiting uh, economic potential. I think at the beginning of the year, I'm speaking with Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief economistbriefing.com. I think at the beginning of the year, the story was job growth will improve in the second half of the year. Europe will start to get a little bit better. Um, Where are we now as far as looking at the world, uh, United States, Europe, and China in the back half of the year? I mean, the U.S., the side point to good job growth. I mean, you look at that initial claims number over the last three months, you know, we've had, you know, trends below 300,000. Historically, these are levels that normally correlate with uh, full employment. Uh, I would argue that we're nowhere near full employment right now. So if that's the case, we should see substantial job gains so that we could, uh, you know, reach full employment. Uh, Europe is being Europe. I mean, it's been weak all year. It's probably going to be weak next year. There's a lot of structural and fiscal problems in Europe that I don't see being... um, you know, completely taken away, uh, and until that happens, you know, potential growth is going to be lower, and economic gains will be lower. China is being China. You know, we're, we're it's going through a slowdown, uh, which we've known was going to happen because it couldn't keep pace at what it was doing, you know, in the previous several years. But it's not in a bad spot necessarily, and th- there's some concerns about. Uh, the construction uh, sector, especially the amount of, you know, quote, ghost cities that have been built over the last few years that have spurred economic development, but they've been wasted capital. And, uh, you know, in time, that's going to catch up to them and it's going to hurt future job gains. But uh, right now, everything seems to be on on an okay footing. Anything else that you're working on, Dr. Jeff, that you want to share with our audience as far as maybe something that's upcoming, something that's important to you, something that's a big flag? 
Yeah, I think that we're still waiting to see what happens um, next week with the September job numbers. I, I think everything revolves around jobs. Uh, last week you had um, a little bit of a surprise when uh, the, the FOMC didn't change their wording on um, you know when rates are going to change, and a lot of that is because no one really understands what the job situation actually is. You know, as I mentioned before, if you look at the initial claims number, you know, job growth should be strong. The employment sector is extremely healthy. However, if you look at the actual payroll numbers, you know things aren't as as, as great as, as they seem. Uh, it's interesting. The, you know, no one really knows what's going on in the job market and in the job sector. And if anybody says they know, they're they're, in my opinion, you know, lying to you, <laughs> or they just don't understand. I mean, the Atlanta Fed puts out a uh, new indicator, and then they call it a spider graph, and it's got you know, 12 or something like that, different indicators around in a point, and they make a graph, and you look at it, and you go, how do you read this thing? You know, and this is what Janet Yellen and the FOMC are looking at. Uh, Kansas City came out with some sort of momentum job numbers and and current job uh, stabilization by creating an index of of different uh, employment indices. You know, it's all a bunch of, you know, unknown, trying to get some kind of grasp idea so they're all throwing everything at the book, hoping that something looks good so that they can make an indicator. And, and right now, it's just very confusing because nothing is conforming with what you know normal correlations would, would, would suggest. Thanks very much. That's Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist Briefing.com, a great resource uh, for starting your day with investment knowledge, whether it's domestic, U.S., and or international markets, whether it's tied towards the economy, whether it's tied towards big stories, whether it's tied towards momentum stocks, whether it's tied towards trading ideas. Uh, Briefing has a little bit of everything, and I do like it enormously as a resource. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Jimmy Choo is set to come public. Jimmy Choo is a maker of expensive shoes. So, what do I add to that story? Probably a little bit of nothing. Um, other than, again, publicly traded companies differ like gold and clay. You could actually buy a shoe company, which is interesting of note. Um, one thing that I do like in the investment market is buybacks. Companies love to tout their stock buybacks. I prefer dividends over buybacks, but... Buybacks are okay as well. Um, savvy investors know that it's a seemingly lucrative event, but it can distort the aspects of the stock enormously. Buybacks look like a win for everybody. The company uses excess cash to buy its own shares. That reduces shares outstanding, thus dividing the company's profit into fewer, larger slices. The result is a lift to earnings per share. Investors who study these events know to be aware of that kind of distortion, though, because companies spent, for instance, $116 billion during the second quarter buying back their own shares. That was enough buying power to boost earnings per share by about 4% um, or more at 23% of the companies in the S&P 500. Now, you have to watch that because the earnings power is distorted there. Uh, It's a little bit of financial engineering that creates that 4% lift, and if a company isn't as profitable or fast-growing as it appears... You may want to lower what you're paying for it in the future and or understand that buybacks do dry up. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. 
In Rob Black in your money. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You don't have to be shy. I understand that people don't want to sometimes talk about their financial situations on air where they think that people might be able to uh, recognize them. Don't be that person. Uh, call. Let's talk about it. 800 516 1220. It's 800 516 1220. Um, let's see, this was kind of an interesting email that got sent to me. Um, I'm not a fan of necessarily falling in love with other people's opinions. And I think that's worthy of note. Uh, Jared Leto, actor, Snoop Dogg, and Nas, um, have invested in something, co-investors in what's called Robinhood, a new app that aims to make trading stocks simple and free. So average Joes who want to invest go online or call someone at a brokerage firm like an E-Trade or a Charles Schwab, typically about 7 to $10 per trade. Robinhood wants to eliminate those commissions to make trading as easy as ordering an Uber or a Lyft. The reason that brokers charge seven to ten dollars trade isn't because it costs that much to execute a trade. That seven to ten dollars is going towards marketing budgets and brick and mortar locations. So says this app, Robinhood. So far, the app is hitting a lot of bullseyes. Half a million people are currently on the wait list to download the app when it comes out of testing. Customers who use the app will also will not have to hold any minimum accounts in their uh, any minimum amounts in their accounts. So uh, the goal of the app is to appeal to the mass market. Only 14% of Americans own and trade individual stocks. That's less than half the number of people who have a cat. The ability to participate in the stock market is a huge privilege that people are missing out on. So we'll see how this works. Uh, Is it a good idea? Is it a bad idea? Ultimately, don't know yet because we haven't really seen much from it. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Um, Rob at robblackshow.com. Take a look at the market. Uh, September has been this kind of interesting month. Uh, we've hit market highs, and we've started to pull back. That doesn't ever turn into a pullback. As soon as it does, it seems that investors can step up. The strong dollar that we've seen in the last 14 days is going to be a big problem for stocks down the road. Um, if you bought dips in the past, this is going to be probably a slightly different dip when we do get it. Um, I regard market timing and forecasting as absurd, so I'd rather you accumulate wealth and not worry about stories like the dollar and uh, high and interest rates next year. 
seasonally the back half of September and the first week of October has been a tricky time for the markets. Nobody really knows why. There's no logical reason. If you were to go back hundreds of years when we were a farming society, this is when banks would have to pony up their cash in order for farmers to hire enough hands to bring in the harvest. Banks wouldn't be as flush, and as a result, investment markets wouldn't get that benefit. But I don't think that's what's going on here. Taking a look at some of the top you know, stories of the day, Apple's manufacturing costs reveal that profits on the iPhone are going to be pretty big. So we've seen that for the high-end iPhone 6 Plus, uh, about $242 in costs. Uh, for the low-end iPhone 6, 211 So they're going to be making some pretty good money. Um, and those costs obviously go down as the years and weeks keep uh, the manufacturing process a little bit better. Um, Beijing is in the news today. The longtime central bank head, Zhu Zhaishan, uh, he may be on his way out. For anyone pushing for economic reform in China who's concerned about the country's eye-popping over 250% debt to GDP, this may be cause for concern. Zhu is a reformer opposed to loose monetary policy. Zhu is in favor of feeling pain now for the short term in order to balance the Chinese economy from one based on investment to one more reliant on consumption. Uh, so China's got some choppiness going on for sure. Uh, taking a look at the stock market stories of the day, the dollar index is remaining strong. Um, home builders are very, very volatile today after disappointing results from KB Homes and better than expected new home sales in August. Strength today in consumer discretionary. Consumer staples, healthcare, materials, weakness in energy, industrials, and technology and utilities. Um, nothing really going on there that's all that dramatic and or all that much of a you know, breakout kind of story. Toy companies, uh, one in particular, one's named Jax, is going to uh, make a mint this Christmas. They've got the Elsa doll, which should see a, a big push this year. Uh, Walmart, Toys R Us, Frozen uh, partners, per se, if you were. Um, Frozen line could Fetch up to about $125 million in sales this year for Jax, which is pretty impressive. That's nearly 8% of their 2013 revenue. Mattel had sales of about $6.4 billion last year, to give you some perspective. Uh, soda partners, uh, Coca-Cola, PepsiCo, and Dr. Pepper Schnapps, um, have all said they're going to pledge calorie cut by about 2025, by about 20%. Eh. I am leery, to say the least. One big reason to be fearful of Google, if you know, you know, you're an investor, you should always have one thing that you like about a company, one thing you don't like, five things that you like, five things that you don't like, for instance. Um, a lot of traffic now is starting to go to apps and not necessarily to your homepage, which is where Google has made their bread and butter. So I am a fan of Google as a stock, but I am also honest enough to see a potential negative. Apps. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Lots of channels. Nothing to watch especially if you're searching for the truth. 
It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel. Straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on local now, channel 525.